On Wednesday evening, we hosted a program entitled Lady Justice, Women, the Law, and the Battle to Save America. It's based on this book by our member, Dahlia Lithwick, who is a renowned journalist following the U.S. Supreme Court. And Dahlia was in conversation with Robbie Kaplan, one of the lawyers highlighted in this book, although she was highlighted in the book for suing the neo-Nazis from the Charlottesville riots that took place a couple years ago. Um, she's well known and in the news again because she was the lawyer that um, represented E. Jean Carroll in the suit against Donald Trump that just had the verdict of sexual um, assault, harassment, and defamation. Um, Robbie, unfortunately, could not be with us in person because that case took a little bit longer than expected to close, so she joined us by Zoom. And Caroline Mandel, a longtime member of the synagogue as well, was the facilitator, the moderator of the conversation that took place. Um, Caitlin, Rav Baruch gave you my copy by mistake. So now I have to get you a copy. So we'll take care of that. No, I, I, I got it already. So, um, but we'll, we'll make sure you get a copy because this is definitely a book that's worth reading. Um, and if you want to see the program, I believe it is available on betsedic.tv. Uh, we recorded it, so it should be available on our uh, live stream channel, betsedic.tv. And I encourage you to see it. The book covers all sorts of issues that are front and center in U.S. politics. Uh, e. Jean Carroll, the Charlottesville na Nazis, abortion, questions about immigration, and uh, questions about election law, voting laws, gerrymandering, and such. And the topic of justice seems to be front and center in many of the areas and the nations that we as Jews care about. Even here in Canada, there is discussion taking place at the Supreme Court about privacy, the environment, and investigation into the behavior of one of the justices. And of course, those of us that care about Israel and are paying attention to events in Israel are aware of the very, very important conversations taking place around judicial reform, a prime minister who's facing indictment, and the ongoing challenges that Israel has vis-a-vis -vis, uh, managing a conflict with its enemies, with the Palestinians, and human rights, uh, war, human shields, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's not surprising as someone who learns Torah on a regular basis, that our Torah and our tradition has much to say about justice. And perhaps not coincidentally, this week's Torah reading in particular is relevant for this topic. Bihar, the first of the two parshiot that we read this morning, deals with the main principles of how to create a just society. Its focus is on economic justice, on the distribution of wealth, on debt relief, on welfare, on humane working conditions, on slavery and privacy. And the Torah declares, al tono ish et achiv, you shall not wrong any of 
your neighbors, you should not wrong one another as being one of the central principles of creating a society of law in order to maintain justice. Bichukotai, the second of the parshiot, outlines the consequences if one strays away from the mitzvot that are designed to create a just society. And if you thought the ten plagues were bad, that God brought upon Egypt when Pharaoh would not listen to Moses to let our people go, you should read again in English the tochacha, the curses that God is willing to bring upon the people of Israel themselves if they stray from the mitzvot, if they stray from a just society. Misery, agriculture, our enemies will devour us. Even moments in which it seems as if children um, will be eaten or devoured by their parents. Uh, skies turn to iron, earth to copper, wild beasts and pestilence will absorb the land. Uh, we will be taken to the sword and then for the Torah, the most extreme punishment that God can provide is exile from our land, from the land of Israel. This notion of justice that we read and experience again in this morning's Torah reading is very consistent with the Torah's notion of justice that we encounter throughout the Torah. Rabbis of Albert Vorspan and David Saperstein have a book entitled Jewish Dimensions of Social Justice, and in the chapter Grappling with the Dilemmas of Social Justice in the 21st Century, they outline nine core values of our tradition vis-a-vis -vis creating a just society. I'll just share some of them. The inherent dignity and value of all human beings derived from the belief that we are all made in the image and likeness of God. The equality of all people, rooted in the tradition of our common, descendant, our common ancestry from Adam and Eve. The concept of wealth in Parshat Bahar, in which the earth is Adonai's and all the fullness thereof, as, and it's lent to us by God in a trust relationship that requires us to share it with those that are less fortunate. The belief that that same trust relationship leads us to a responsibility over the earth. The existence of certain fundamental laws, very often known as the seven Noahide laws, that are regarded as basic to any civilized society, including prohibitions against murder, robbery, blasphemy, idolatry, sexual crimes, the eating of living flesh, as well as requiring, requiring that every community establish courts of justice. And the paramount obligation of individuals and societies to pursue justice, righteousness, and darche shalom, the ways of peace. In other words, to be involved in the work not only of civil justice and criminal justice, but social justice. The to toward the end of, of Bahar, there's a passage that on the surface seems out of place. It seems to not belong. It's page 76 in the Chumash, if you want to take a look. Lo tasu lachem elidim upesel, umatseva lo takimu lachem, ve'emem mashkit lo titnu ba'artzechem. You shall not make idols for yourselves, or set up for yourselves carved images or pillars or placed figures and stones in your land to worship upon. Ani Adonai Elohechem, 
for I am the Lord your God. Now the question is, a question that's asked by the Talmud itself. What's the connection between idolatry, avodah and cherut, to freedom? What's the connection between these laws, these principles of creating a just society in the Torah and avodah Idolatry, what is this passage doing here? Rabbi Brad Shavit Artsen, one of my teachers, offers three points of juxtaposition that illuminate a response to this question. The first is that religious life does not stand on a base, um, let me say, I'm sorry. The first is, if religious life does not stand on a base, a foundation of human concern, specifically for the other, then there can be no base whatsoever for living a moral and ethical life. Just as judges concern for others is what is ultimately what's best for society, taking care of the vulnerable, which the Torah describes as the orphan, the widow, and the poor, and to which we can extend to all those that might be marginalized in our society, in our communities, that is the basis of building any just society. Uh, Caitlin, you kind of spoke about this in your Devar Torah. To have a law that is unjust because it treats people for whatever reasons differently and persecutes them from a religious perception is not a law that not only should not be followed, but may not be followed. Because at its core is a basis for human dignity and concern. Second, idolatry is not a matter of simply putting the wrong name or associating the wrong image with the divine, with God. Idolatry, says Rabbi Artsen, is missing the divine entirely. Our Torah, he writes, creates a link to remind us that God is beyond all visualization. Judaism trains us to see the invisible, beginning with the person who is invisible in our midst. And finally, number three, worshiping God, any worship for us as Jews, means placing our concern for each other at the center of our spiritual lives and rising, therefore, to a life of service and gratitude. Judaism condemns any ritual act that is divorced from morality and a concern for the human condition. Parshat Shoftim in Deuteronomy, in which we find the famous, most famous perhaps, value of justice, sedek sedek tirdof, justice, justice shall you pursue, has another very important lesson that comes from a Hasidic commentary on its opening verse. Shoftim v'shotrim titen recha, says the Torah. Judges and magistrates you shall place at all of your gates. The Hasidic commentary in Itere Torah wants to know what are the gates? And it provides an answer that is metaphoric. In the ancient world, the judges actually sat at the gates of the city, but for this Hasidic commentary, the gates are the gates of the body, our eyes, our ears, our mouths. 
exactly those elements that might lead us astray to idolatry to miss the divine and therefore also to miss the invisible, the people that are within our midst. Judges and magistrates in our tradition, and I think ideally in Western civilization society as well, are the gatekeepers that foster a full and open debate and ensure a just society based on the values that we claim to hold dear. We have a problem today where the left perhaps has no God, the right is engaging in idolatry, and those of us in the middle are feeling the tension of the polarization of our society. But Judaism, Judaism asks us to learn a more moderate language, religious language of morality and justice. I was struck on Wednesday night in the program by the sense of despair that can easily be attained when we think about all the multiple levels of problems and challenges that we face in our society today. And when asked about it, Dahlia Lithwick responded, as she does in her book, that despair is the enemy of justice. When despair becomes so heavy, when it becomes a burden, we think there's nothing we can do, we give up, we throw up our arms, we say, what can I do? Hope, on the other hand, they responded, Dahlia and Robbie responded, hope, on the other hand, is a discipline. And where do they find hope? When asked, their answer, I couldn't have set this up better if I wanted to. When they were asked, where do you find hope in the midst of all despair? Their answer was, we study Torah. <laughs> Dahlia and Rabbi are chavruta. They're study partners. On a regular basis, they get together with Rabbi Jan Erlbach, one of my colleagues who's at the Jewish Theological Seminary, and they study Torah. That's their discipline. It's through the study of Torah that they find and, to, and nurture a sense of hope. And ultimately, that's what the mitzvot are as well. The mitzvot that we read about today and that we read about always and that our tradition enjoins us to participate in. Mitzvot, the word mitzvah means commandment. Our relationship with God is such that we believe that this God has certain demands on us. We might argue and disagree about the way in which those demands are manifested, the way in which we observe the mitzvot in our lives. But a person who is truly engaged in Judaism can't avoid the question as to what it is that is required of me. And the mitzvot are our 4,000-year method of discipline by which we attain an outlook of hope. I call mitzvot a means to create habits of holiness. And perhaps now, after listening to Dahlia and Robbie and Caroline on Wednesday, I will add that the mitzvot are actually, or also rather, a means to maintain habits of hopefulness. Study Torah. And in that, in the study of Torah, we will learn to discipline ourselves to see the I, the individual, the person who is otherwise invisible, ani, Adonai Elohechem, says the Torah. I am the Lord your God. And we worship God. We find hopefulness. 
when we train ourselves to make explicit what is otherwise implicit, and when we commit ourselves to taking care of the vulnerable in our society to create a system of justice based on our values. Shabbat Shalom.